Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 8, One Small Shift. As the snow was coming down on Friday afternoon, I could feel the hunkering start. It was almost physical, but mostly it was my psyche going, well, you knew it wasn't over yet. And seeing that the snow wasn't sticking to the ground helped, I think. I can handle this, I thought to myself. It's just a spring snow shower, not a continuation of winter. I'm Canadian. We are polite, apologize to inanimate objects when we run into them, and can handle snow, even for more than half a year. I can do this. Who we are, all those little pieces of self-definition that make up our whole, informs, in quite a number of ways, our reactions to things. Experiences, interests, upbringing, and other stimuli all come together to make us who we are. Naturally, who we are is a moving target. Each day's events impact on, on us in minute ways, making changes that accumulate over the course of weeks, months, years, and change us from the way we were. Social media is interesting in that way, because through avenues like Facebook, we can reconnect with people we knew years and years ago that we otherwise might not have. I wonder how many people have accepted a friend request from a high school classmate, then gone to their page, and after a few minutes thought to themselves, wow, I wonder what happened to make him change in that way. The truth is, even if we were to put that question out to that person, they might not be able to answer us. Change can be gradual, and one might not notice it happening the same ways as an outsider might. I was shy in high school. Still, I found myself pushed into leadership roles with varying amounts of success, But it wasn't until university, when I started fencing, that I discovered my sense of assertiveness. And when I took the rhetoric courses for my degree, that I lost my sense of nervousness around public speaking. Those things I can point to as defining moments of change in my character. But other changes, other stimuli, are more subtle. For example, when did fiber arts become such an all-pervading, driving force behind my life? When did I cease to be merely a hobbyist and become obsessed? That moment I can't point to. I look back over the last few years, and I know it wasn't when I bought Alistair, my Ashford Joy. I was already well and truly gone at that point. But it hadn't happened yet when I first joined Ravelry either. I expect that I can't determine the moment because it was one of those gradual shifts one of the moving target moments where gradual changes add up and suddenly, bam, something new has been added to your self-definition. Now, it doesn't seem strange to me that one of the first considerations I have when planning a vacation is what yarn shops I can visit. I plan to bring some shawls with me when I go shopping for new clothes to make sure that I will get things that match. A plan which amused many at my knitting groups this week, but makes perfect sense to me. And it certainly came home to me how all-pervading fiber is in my life when I opened the April Lee Valley catalog 
and my first thought upon seeing the hanging herb dryers there was, oh, that'd be perfect for drying fleece. But five, ten years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. It makes me wonder if, should I come back in another five or ten years and listen to the first episodes of this podcast, if I will even recognize myself? Or will I reflect on where I am at this point, or at that point, listening to myself as I am now, and think, huh, I wonder when I changed in this way. The snow shower on Friday eased in the afternoon, and when I looked up, the sun was trying to peek through the clouds. The Canadian in me sighed, stretched out from the hunker that got me through the snowfall, and then got to thinking about gazebos and mosquito spray, and where to find a thatching blade for the lawnmower. The fiber part wondered about when to email Olds College about an extension. The knitter part rejoiced about the green cowl sitting in my knitting bag, and then reminded me that I have baby knitting to do. One snow shower. One tiny shift. We'll see what happens tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This is by the Fiberside. Fiber Week. It must be spring because the sparrows are in the juniper out front uh, tweeting up a storm. So if you hear that in the background, I've got the window open. We're two weeks closer to Fiber Week. I'm done my book reviews. I spent most of last weekend reading uh, reading a few books and doing the reviews. Finished that off earlier this week with a review of uh, a short ebook from Interweave, just some collected columns from back issues of Spinoff. I ordered up some interlibrary loans uh, to help out with the the fairy tales and songs and stuff that I need to collect. I need to find five, and I can name three off the top of my head. Um, the Seven Swans, Rumpelstiltskin, oh, of course, Sleeping Beauty, East of Sun, West of Moon. So look, there's four. But the thing is that everybody does those, and I kind of want to do something a bit different. So, so I've ordered up some interlibrary loans, and uh, those should hopefully come in the next few weeks, get that done. Uh, and then it's just on to the essays for me. I, however, have decided to email Olds College and ask for the four-month extension that I'm allowed uh, as per the handbook because my legs are not good right now. They're, they've gotten a lot worse in the last couple of weeks. Uh, my feet are going numb and I don't know where it's coming from. I'm going to physio, chiro, massage. None of them can really say what's going on and where it's coming from. And and the fact that I'm staring down at Fiber Week two months from now, unable to spin at this point, and still have a lot of spinning left in my homework, is just adding to my stress. And that's not helping me get better any faster. So I'm going to ask for the four-month extension. That gives me six months. Uh, I'll finish off all the writing. After that, I'll, I'll start blending up the things that need to be blended uh, for, for the things I need to spin. And go from there. I would do it on spindles. I would spin it on spindles. However, Olds College just came out with a, with a policy on e-spinners, which basically said that your homework needs to be done on a, on a treadle wheel. So I'm, 
I mean, I'll, I'll put that question out to them when I ask for the extensions. Can I do some of this stuff on spindles? Because I can't spin right now on a, on a wheel, not very well and not without significant amount of pain and probably not without putting my recovery behind. So if they say, yes, you can do it on spindles and I'll start spinning some. Um, but if not, the four month extension will hopefully get me through. It looks like uh, Gail, my level two instructor, isn't going to be at Fiber Week anyway, so I'll have to send my binder to her. Uh, anyway, it's not like I can hand deliver it in Olds. So it, it all works out, really. But I, that getting that extension will take some of the stress off. And then I can concentrate on figuring out what the heck is going on with my legs. So that's where I'm at with level two. It's not a great update. I'm, I'm, I wish I had, I wish I knew what was going on, but I don't. So we'll just keep going from here. But with that in mind, to talk about level one and the whole spindle thing, it is worth knowing how to spin on a spindle. Even if you have wheels galore and love spinning on a wheel, the the module for spindling and uh, and other such things in level one is module C5, which is primitive tools. And you're asked to spin a skein of singles on a drop spindle. And you're also asked to do a skein of singles uh, from lap spinning, which is the first way that people ever spun. Basically a hooked stick. And you, you basically ran the stick down your lap with the fiber attached to the hook on the end. And in that way, made yarn. So... I mean, that's fun because you're going back to the way everything used to be spun. I'm uh, I'm going to the library here this afternoon and I'm going to teach, a co-teach a class about spinning. Uh, and we're going to make our own drop, drop spindles out of toy wheels and things. And so I've been thinking about a lot about what I'm going to say today. The thing to remember is that uh, the wheel is a relatively recent invention. Uh, in terms of, you know, the sum of human history. The Vikings, all of the the thread and for their sails was spun on spindles. Even Columbus came to America on on with sails that were made from thread that was spun not on a wheel, but on spindles. So to discount the spindle as a production tool is you, you really shouldn't do that. It is worthwhile knowing how to manage a spindle for the simple reason that it's far, far more portable than a wheel. You can take it anywhere. The, the thing that I've heard said is you can spin more in an hour on a wheel, but you can spin more in a week on a spindle because it is so portable, because you can carry it with you. And, and I love my spindles. I really do. I spun for well over a year on spindles before I even touched a wheel. And that was where I really learned my fiber management techniques. Now I spun worsted. I didn't spin woolen, but, but I learned how to manage fiber. I learned how fiber behaves and, and I learned the concept of twist and the strength that it imparts. That's the thing with spindles that you don't get with a wheel as a general rule. With a spindle, you have pretty well automatic 
uh, an automatic feedback as to whether or not you're inserting enough twist into your yarn. Because if you're not, it's going to drop and crash on the floor. So knowing that and learning that and then making the transition to the wheel, I think for me was really helpful. And some of the things that I've learned from the wheel, I've brought back into my spindling as well. So, so that learning curve goes back and forth, but I think having the ability to, to learn fiber management and drafting on a spindle before I even touched a wheel made my transition easier. Now that's not to say my experience is going to be everybody's experience. I know people who had a heck of a time with a spindle and went to a wheel and were spinning up a storm. But at the same, by the same token, those people are now coming back and learning to spindle because it's so portable. Because you can just toss it in your in a bag or your purse or anything. You can. It's much easier to say spin on a train or a plane or a bus on a spindle than it is on a wheel. And again, when you're standing in line, that's why you can get more done in a week because you have five minutes while you're waiting for your appointment. You pull out your spindle, you spin a little bit, and then you're done. I spun most of that one half of of the the hospital yarn. I'm calling it when I was in the hospital with Mike and I could not have done that on a wheel mostly because I wouldn't want to put my wheel on the floor of a hospital but a spindle I could I could spin on so it's things like that that I want to to tell the people today I'm going to bring the old Ashford Traddy just so that they can see the wheel but I'm also going to bring mostly yarn that I've spun on spindles I'm going to bring the first yarn I ever spun on a spindle to to show them and I'm going to show them the hospital yarn the last yarn I spun on a spindle so it's going to be fun I'm really looking forward to to the class today so that's where I'm at for fiber week I'm I'm hoping hoping in two weeks that I'll have maybe a few more answers as to my health and what's going on um but at the very least I should be further along in the writing and I'm We'll see. I might even, for for a change of pace, start blending up a few things as well. Fiber notes. So for all that, the last two weeks have been insanely busy with appointments pretty well every day. I've actually managed to get quite a bit done on in terms of little projects, projects that I can take with me. Uh, the booties got done. Uh, if you, if you were looking at the blog, you saw the little, little post I did about the, the knits for Tara. It was really, it was really lovely to see all of that stuff come together. And, and once I'm done with the baby knitting, um, for, for the people in my, in my circle, I'll probably keep going. I, I have quite a bit of baby yarn and, and, this is probably pretty close to the last round of babies I'm going to see uh, for for the next little while. So, so I'll use some of that baby yarn up. You know, make make a few things for for Tara and and donate them, and you know, try out some new techniques. The February baby sweater from Elizabeth Zimmerman is sitting in my head. I'm thinking about that one. So, so we'll do that. I also started and finished the swap present. 
I pulled out two balls of Noro Silk Garden worsted iron. Worsted? Iron. The thick one. And uh, made up a scarf. I had uh, I had one knot in each of the balls. The the knot in the first ball actually continued or, or did relatively well with the color progression. The second one went from brown to red. And so I looked at it and I looked at where I was in the scarf because I knit I knit one half of the scarf out of one ball and then stopped and then knit the other half and I grafted them in the middle with a Kitchener stitch. So I looked at that and I looked at where I was ending off and I looked at the the pattern repeats and said, okay, this little little bit of red here, no, I'm not going to use it. So I didn't. But I will send it off to my swap partner just in case she doesn't, well, if she wants to tear back the, the scarf. I mean, I don't, I don't care. She can she can use it for something else, something that she will actually wear. So, so it's sitting out in my living room blocking right now. And hopefully by this afternoon or later this afternoon, it will be dry and I can pull my swap box together next week and get it sent off. So that's good. I also started, I know I shouldn't have, I I know I shouldn't have. I started, um, a new project. It's green. I started it on the day that was this the six months from the first snowfall of the season and I needed it and you know what as I was recording earlier it was snowing again so the green yeah I need the green so what it is it's the glacier cowl and let me just here we go the glacier cowl it's a kit that I picked up at the loop in Calgary it was one of the the things that I got from my mother-in-law for Christmas The yarn is Dragonfly Dye Works. That's a local dyer out of Drumheller, Alberta. And the cowl is designed by uh, Calgary designer Claire Thornley. What this is, it's a scalloped um, bottom edge and then into basically a linen stitch body. But the there's short row shaping. So it's getting this gentle curve so that you can pull it up over your head. It's not just a it's a curved tube. So you can pull it up over your head and you don't get all the bunching at the neck. It's really, it's really interesting. Very simple. Um, I pretty well have, have it memorized now. First time I've ever done linen stitch and wow, it's easy, but I really like the effect that you get, especially with a, a tonal, well, and a, a tonal yarn like this. So it goes from like acid green to, to deep green. And oh yeah, every time, every time we get these little snow showers, I tell you, I just have to pull that out and work on it. It makes a huge difference to, to my ability to get through. That said, I am actually starting to see the, the vegetable or the, the pot bed in the back where we grew the tomatoes and herbs last year. It's starting to come out from the snowbank. So spring's coming, I swear. Uh. Anyhow, so I started that. I'm probably 25% of the way through. And yeah, I'm still working on the, uh, what are they called? The burp cloths. Those are still in progress, but I'm almost done the three out of the one color. So I'll get started on the second. And I'm contemplating what to knit for the babies that are coming. I still haven't quite decided yet, but I did pull out all my Sardar Snuggly, which is yes, 100% acrylic, but it's a nice 100% acrylic. And I have quite a few colors in it. So, so that's where I'm at. From the Fiber Week update, you know that the spinning isn't going so well. So I'm still, you know, every once in a while working on my 
travel project, but that's pretty well what I'm doing with the spending right now. So I'm hoping, because because the knitting is portable and because I'm taking it with me, I'm hoping maybe by in the next two weeks to be done with the baby knitting. Well, some of the baby knitting. And hopefully be a little bit further along on the glacier cowl. And then, you know, come back to the sweater. Because now would be a really good time to have a sweater. Side notes. So for this episode's side note segment, I've got three books I want to talk about. And they're, they're all related to knitting, but maybe not in quite the way one might think. They're all children's books, uh, children's storybooks. Somehow or another, I seem to be getting quite a collection of these and, and they just, they make me smile. And every once in a while, it's just nice to have something that will make you smile. So I'm just going to kind of give you a brief overview of all three of them and uh, and let you know what I think. So the first one is one that I put on my Christmas list and got for Christmas. It's called Mr. Putter and Tabby Spin the Yarn. It's by Cynthia Ryland and Arthur Howard. It's part of a series of books of Mr. Putter and Tabby. Uh, this one was, it's copyright 2006. And does it give me an age range? It doesn't. It's it's early. Um, it, it's got four chapters, but it's it's an early reader's book, and it's adorable. the 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 premise is that Mister Putter and Tabby live next to Mrs. Teaberry and Zeke, her bulldog. Tabby is a cat, and Mister Putter wants to be a good neighbor. So when Mrs. Teaberry starts a knitting club, he says, "Well, I don't want to knit, but I'll serve tea." And he brings his cat. In the meantime, the dog has become obsessed with a hat that one of the ladies is wearing that has assorted plastic vegetables on it. And various hijinks ensue. Um, it's really adorable. It's it's quite cute. And part the part that I really love is the illustrations. Someone has obviously been to a knitting group or has done some research. One of the ladies at the knitting group is wearing a button that says, I'm a knitwit. Uh, they're talking about all kinds of balls of yarn. Of course, the cat is doing his thing, freaking out about the yarn. It's really very sweet. And part part of the uh, plot of the book involves um, a, a sweater that someone has been knitting for seven months. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. So it's really quite sweet. Uh, it retails for five ninety nine US, and it only says on the back here, higher in Canada. It'd be great for any any knitters out there who have children that are getting past the picture book stage but still in early readers and want to read about one of the things that mommy and daddy does. Mommy or daddy does is the knitting. So it's quite sweet. The second one is one my mom just sent up to me as well. It's called The Three Billy Goats Fluff by Rachel Mortimer and illustrated by Liz Pinchon. And obviously this is a a retelling of the three billy goats gruff. On the back it says, When Mr. Troll threatens to eat the three billy goats fluff for trip-trapping over his bridge too loudly, Mother Goat comes up with a fluffy plan to keep everybody happy. 
Um, again, this is a picture book. Uh, the illustrations are are lovely. And uh, the premise is that the, the three billy goats have to go over the bridge to get to the field so that they can uh, eat the lush green grass and make their fleeces extra fluffy because it's important for mother goats knitting business. And it goes on from there. I'm, I'm sure you can figure out what the plan is, but it's really well done. There's a great deal of humor in it. And it, again, it's just one of those things that makes you smile. So, so yeah, I can highly recommend this one. Uh, where are the price on this one? There's no price on the back of this one. I will put links to it, uh, of course, in the show notes. Um, but in paperback, I doubt it's very expensive. So again, highly recommend that one. Really great illustrations. Lovely retelling of the story. The last one I want to talk about is it's called Extra Yarn by Mac Barnett and illustrated by John Classen. And in this book, a girl finds a magic box of yarn that never runs out of yarn. I totally want that box. So she she t- starts knitting things. She knits things for she knits sweaters for people and then she's out of people to knit sweaters for so she starts knitting cozies for trees and hats and cozies for the whole town and then an evil prince comes and says uh i want your box of yarn i'll give you a million dollars for it no she says two million dollars no so he goes and he steals the box of yarn and uh, it's very sad i'm not going to spoil the ending for you because I think you should definitely go read this book. It is adorable and really well illustrated. And the illustrator, uh, John Classen, has definitely done some looking at how knit fabric looks. So so everything that has a cozy, you can actually see how the stitches go together. It's, it's really well done. I, I was quite impressed with the illustration. And the story itself is very sweet. So there you have it. Three children's books that have to do with yarn or knitting. I can recommend them all. And I'll put links uh, to Amazon.com and Chapters.ca in the show notes. By the Wayside. One of the unfortunate things about all the appointments that I'm having to run to between physio and Cairo and the doctor and and massage is that I'm not having a lot of time at home to sit and do much of anything. So that means that the tapestry is is once again sort of the last thing to be worked on. So I'm th- I'm, I've been thinking about this because I, I, I do want to work on it. So today, I, when I was had to do 20 minutes of heat on my lower back, I sat down and, and tried to figure out how much I could get done on, a tap, on the tapestry in 20 minutes. And I can get one length of yarn done in terms of outlining. So, I mean, that's something. Um, if I can do one length of yarn every day while I'm heating my back, and I may have to do that twice a night, so, so that's certainly doable. 
So I don't think I'm going to put up a picture because I only have that one length of yarn in there right now. And it hasn't really changed all that much. So that's kind of my new plan for the tapestry going forward is while I'm doing the heat on my back, I'll do that. It might be a little icer, a little icer, a little harder with the ice that I have to do on my hips because I have to be lying down for that. And so that's a little more difficult to do, but I'm going to, I'm going to figure it out. I do have to do some sitting and, and, uh, doing some, some ice and heat to various pieces of my body. So I'll try and work on the tapestry while I'm doing that. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, then I'll be able to have a little bit more progress. And hopefully then at some point I will not have as many appointments and can actually spend, you know, at least a good hour on it once or twice a week. Thank you for joining me for episode 8. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 9 on May 5th, 2013. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in Loch Ness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is by the fiberside.